Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Revelations 21.1 That I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. You and two of your friends have gone to an amusement park. Now, three people at amusement park can be quite challenging, especially when it comes to getting on the rides. A lot of the rides are just for two people, so there will always be an odd one out. Now, the advantage of being the odd one out is there's a thing called the single line. And if you go into the single line, you probably can get through faster. The disadvantage is you're always riding with someone that you don't know or you're riding by yourself. So imagine that you and your three friends are at the amusement park and you would just assume that you would each take turns going as two and the other by themselves. But after two or three rides, it becomes apparent to you that these other two friends, they're never going to let you ride with them. They're always going to be riding together. You are the odd one out. Over the last few months, I've considered three entities and have considered the possibility that there's an odd one out amongst them. The three entities that I've considered are God, humanity, and our galaxy, our earth, all forms of life. Of these three, It appears to me that within Christianity, we have consistently relegated the world as the odd one out. When you think about the core of Christianity, the core of Christianity is this hope that God will come back and redeem humanity during Christmas season. We especially focus on that. We call it Advent hope. And in the Christian tradition, during this period of time, we go back and we look at all these Old Testament texts and we use them to say that these individuals had this hope for a coming Messiah. And what would the Messiah do? The Messiah, for the most part, is seen as restoring the people. Now, there occasionally in the prophets you'll see little glimpses that somehow the earth is involved in this, that the the earth too will be redeemed. But we don't spend a lot of attention on those texts. Instead, we want to focus upon our hope just as their hope is on this coming, which will bring about a redemption between God and the people. So Advent is not only looking forward to the coming of Jesus, but Advent also for many Christians is a looking forward to a second coming of Jesus. 
That's why in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus is called that name because he is the one who will save his people from their sins. Then what happens? Well, we're waiting. For 2,000 years, Christianity has been waiting for this climax moment when Jesus will come back into our world and restore us. But here's the good news for many Christians. You don't have to wait till then, because if you die now, you get to go to heaven immediately. And again, who's the odd one out? The earth. So when we die, we leave the earth, we go to this heaven, or we wait for this second coming of Jesus, and then we're caught up into the heavens, and the world again is the odd one out. And there's a great deal of enthusiasm and excitement centered around this kind of hope. Listen to this song. And as you listen to this song, not only hear the words that there is this home far away, but listen and watch the enthusiasm of those who are singing the song. Listen to the beat of the music. There is going to be this great reunion, but there will be an odd one out. Do you get it? Do you see how that has become so prominent for us? So in my mind, I imagined, and I'm using this illustration metaphorically, please don't take this literally. But I imagine in my mind that if I was the odd one out with those other two at the amusement park, I, I get tired of it. So I imagine in my mind, God, humanity, and the earth, and the earth finally gets tired of it all and says, <laughs> I'm done. And so the earth says, look, let's see what we might be able to do here. 2020 rolls around, and the earth says, maybe I'll let loose a, a small little virus, get their attention. But it's not a small virus. It's a virus that humanity has no idea. It's all brand new to them. It's a it's a virus that they hope to control like they try to control all of nature, but it can't be easily controlled. 1.5 million people die. 275,000 people dead here in the United States. And the virus continues to win. I wonder if the earth is saying, <clears throat> have I got your attention yet? And then I think about the environment, always being the odd one out, always being seen as a resource, something that can be used, something that can be tapped into, something that humans continue to use for their benefit, their desires, their wealth. And I wonder if the earth says, enough. Tired of being the odd one out. We're just going to let the circumstances play out. The last 10 years was the hottest decade that has been recorded. Here in, in Arizona, in Phoenix, we set records. 
If I remember correctly, this possibly was the hottest summer on record. Floods, droughts. It's almost as if the environment is saying to us, Hello, you can't ignore me anymore. And you know what's really frustrating about all of this? Is the children in our midst right now. You might have children, you might have grandchildren that are growing up in the midst of 2020. COVID-19, the climate change that we are experiencing is having a dramatic impact upon their life. It will, f- it will change. It will change their perspective of the future. No wonder more and more young people are saying, why, why would have children? Why would I bring children into this environment? Science says there's very little hope. We might, we might be able to slow things down, but ultimately, what, we, what do we have to face? Devastation, annihilation. What are we left with? If you accept the idea that the earth is a vital part of who we are, then the question we have to ask ourselves is where is our hope, not only for us individually? Then I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm middle age. Everything that they're talking about, real good possibility I'll be dead by the time those things start to happen. Some of you might even be older than I am. So what do you care, right? But think about the children. Think about what hope, what responsibility do we have to offer them? For those of you who are members here at Beatitudes Church, what hope do we have to offer? Is it more than just saying, drive electric cars, use less plastic, don't use straws? Is it more than that that we have to offer? Because other people can offer that, right? What do we have to offer? What is it that Church of the Beatitudes can offer that is in our wheelhouse? that will give our young people and those throughout our world a sense of hope. I think it's a shift in our view of two things. A shift in our view of God and a shift in our view of how human beings relate to the earth. If we could change those ways of thinking, perhaps that would give us this sense of hope. And rather than the earth always being the odd one out, maybe we would find the true trilogy of God, humanity, and our world. Now, for strict theists, they have a concept of God that ties in perfectly with the idea of leaving the earth as the odd one out. One writer said the following, the the strict theism of modern times banished God 
into the mystery of transcendence. God was seen as being out there. God was thought of as worldless, so that the world became godless, and the world could be dominated, and so that men and women could live in it without God. That's a strict view of theism. But that view has put us in the situation that we're currently in. So how do we get around it? One possibility is shifting our view of God by understanding what evolutionary biology teaches us. Now that can sound pretty intimidating, evolutionary biology. But it's not that hard. It is simpler than it sounds, and it's fascinating. Jürgen Moltmann wrote the following about evolutionary biology and the earth and humanity and God. And he says the following, according to what evolutionary biology tells us, it may be said that only a small part of the potential diversity of life forms has been realized. One more time, ready? It is possible that only a small part of the potential diversity of life forms has been realized. The forms of life which are possible cannot be envisioned. Do you see it? Instead of seeing the earth as this is it, evolutionary biology tells us that there are life forms that and we have not even experienced that are still possible. He continues when he says, in a nature open to the future, even natural laws are not timeless. They are changeable habits of nature. The picture that we get here is that everything, everything is in flux. Everything's changing. Everything's moving. So how does that tie into God? Instead of seeing God as transcendent, instead of seeing God as out there and in here, somehow that kind of jumble-jumble, perhaps if we saw God as the force field of energy or the field of consciousness which provides that which is needed for the evolutionary process itself. So God is not out there. God is within nature, and nature is within God. And when we shift that perspective, then we see everything around us. We see the earth. We see our galaxy. We see the universe as being sacred. You can't separate them. On the way here this morning, as I was driving, I thought, how hard is that to do here in the city? I mean, if I'm in Sedona, that's great, right? I can look at all these rocks and everything and, and the beauty of nature. 
but in the city of Phoenix? And then I saw this individual walking, and a thought popped in my mind, the sacred. I saw this tree which probably would have loved to have been planted out somewhere in nature, in the midst of this city. And I thought to myself, the sacred. This is a shift of seeing God. Instead of seeing God purely as theistic, as this being something, it sees God as energy or consciousness that dwells within all life, within all of nature, and is that which drives it. It provides that which is needed to sustain it and to allow the evolutionary process to continue. Can you imagine teaching young children that? But that's not the only, par- the only possibility as far as ch- shifting our view. It's not only God, but it's shifting our understanding of ourselves and how we relate to the earth. Given the context of what we are currently experiencing, I wonder what would happen if we looked back at Genesis chapter 1 and we didn't read it literally. We wouldn't read it in the way maybe the original writer intended. But instead, we, we read it from our perspective as a metaphor of what we're experiencing. And I thought about that. And I realized in reading Genesis 1, human beings are created last. Last. Everything else is created, and then it's almost like, oh, and there's humanity. Now, for a long time, we always saw it as being the crowning jewel But instead, perhaps we could flip it and see that the only way human beings could exist was because they were dependent upon everything else that came before. Instead of seeing humanity as the center of the world, the center of our universe, it shows humanity as being dependent upon all of that. And when that sense of dependency comes about, we realize that we need to be very careful, that we need to be appreciative. And that leads to a sense of humility, what you might call cosmic humility. When you think about our universe, you, and I know I'm not supposed to point my finger, right? But I am, you and I, we're a blip, a blip. And yet we pray to God as if everything resolves, revolves around us. Our hopes are all based upon us. How we treat the world, how we treat the, each other, always based upon us. But if we can shift our perspective and realize that we are dependent upon the world, the reality is, folks, the earth can exist without us. 
We cannot exist without the earth. One writer said the following, if humans are to survive, they must integrate themselves into nature and into the community of their fellow beings. They are not entitled. They are not entitled to the arrogance of power over nature and the liberty, the freedom to do whatever they like. If you take those two ideas, a different way of seeing God and a different way in which humans are related to the universe, to our galaxy, to our earth, to each other, to all forms of life. I think that creates a significant sense of hope. Try teaching this to your children. Try teaching this to your grandchildren. Give them a sense of hope for life. Instead of all the doom and gloom, we have the possibility of sharing a different way of looking, a different way of seeing. But this isn't new. The ancients understood this. The ancients that we often see as kind of being backwards, ignorant. There was an individual by the name of Ben Sirach. Lived about 150, 200 years before Jesus was here on this earth. And he wrote a book, it's called Sirach. It's a book of Jewish wisdom. One of the verses, it says the following. Great labor is created for all humans, and a heavy yoke is upon the children of Adam. From the day of their coming out of their mother's womb until the day of their burial into the mother of all. <laughs> do you hear it? Do you hear it? Not only do you have your mother, biological mother, the text says, when you are born into this world, but don't forget that at your death, you will return to the mother of all. Think about that. Think about sharing that with our children. That the earth is our mother. I don't know about you, but if I had treated my mother as some kind of a resource that I could use, I think she would have knocked me on my head. But if I see my mother as a gift of life, we see God and the earth as that which gives us and sustains our very being. It'll affect how we deal and interact with each other and with it. Church of the Beatitudes, for the last four years, we've been saying that the Church of the Beatitude is about making love real. 
I owe you an apology. Up until this time, that's my way of thinking about that, is making love real for other human beings. I was too narrow. I need to broaden that. So this week, when you go out, your hope and the hope of our children is making love real for our earth. Now that is Advent hope. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.